This morning we are going to be in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and picking it up in verse 18, and we're going to be talking about uh, names, and I was thinking about names this week, and thinking about why are people named the way that they are named? Why, why is your name what it is? Do you know? Perhaps, perhaps your name has uh, speci- special family significance. You have a, a culture or a heritage, and your name honors that culture or heritage. Perhaps you're named after a relative, and you honor them in being named, sharing a name with them. Perhaps your name uh, means something in another language, and uh, because of that, it carries significance, some sort of meaning, because of the meaning that it has in another language. Maybe your name just really sounds cool, and so your parents named you that because that's a really cool-sounding name. When Teresa and I were talking about naming our kids, we, we did a combination of those things. We named kids after uh, relatives in order to honor them, relatives that we uh, held in high esteem, and so we named children after them. And we gave them names that were biblical names and, and uh, have meaning because of the Hebrew uh, that's associated with that. So Malachi means my messenger. Eliana means God has responded. Eliana, grace. Eliana, uh, God has responded with grace. Nathaniel means gift of God. So why are you named the way that you're named? In here, we're going to see Jesus. And we're going to see his name and what he's called. Because sometimes what you're named and what you're called are two different things, right? You have your official name, that's the name that you were given, but then you have the name that people call you. And maybe certain people call you certain things based on their relationship with you. My my brother's name uh, is Tyler, that's why my son's name is Tyler, but uh, very often my cousins didn't call him Tyler, they called him Smiler. And so my, my brother was known as Smiler quite a lot because he had a huge smile and he smiled often. One of my cousin's sons, I I think his son's name is Harrison, but I'm not sure because they only call him Happy. Maybe you're called something because of something that you do or a personality trait that you have. Well, I want you to listen, children especially, I want you to listen as we are going through this, and I want you to listen to what is Jesus named and what is he called and why. Okay, so that's what we're going to be looking at as we read together, beginning in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just, and, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, listen to how Matthew starts this. If you were here a couple of weeks ago when we began the book of Matthew and we started with a list of names, we started with the genealogy of Jesus, you just had over uh, Abraham was the father of Isaac, was the father of Jacob, was the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah was the father of Perez, and on and on and on, right? And now he gets into the specifics of of Jesus. Now this is how the birth of Jesus the Christ took place. It happened like this. All these people were born to these parents, and then we get to Jesus, and here's how how Jesus' birth took place. And you can just tell in the way that he's setting it up that there's, there's something that maybe is a little bit different about this one. Yes, all of those other ones were important people, but maybe just, I want to tell you the story about how this birth took place, because this was a little bit different than you might have expected. Now, this birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So they were engaged to be married, they were intending to be married, they were preparing to be married, and then Mary was discovered to be with child. But Matthew wants to be very clear right away, lest we be be concerned about the integrity of Mary here, right from the very beginning, he wants to say, and she was uh, found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Right? There, he, Matthew doesn't want to leave any question in the reader's mind about why Mary is pregnant. He wants us to hold her integrity intact. Here we have, when his mother, when Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's special information that you have as the reader and that I have as the reader, but that Joseph, her husband, does not have. And her husband, Joseph, discovers it. Her husband, Joseph, discovers that his fiance is pregnant. This causes a problem for Joseph. And her husband, Joseph, verse 19, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to to divorce her quietly. Here's what we know about Joseph, just, just in this very brief sentence. He's a just man and he's a compassionate man. Joseph discovers that this fiancé of his is already pregnant, and he knows that he has not uh, come together with her yet. But it appears to him that she has been acting as though she were someone else's wife already. And that's a problem for him. 
He's engaged because of his integrity. He says, if she has been already acting as though she is someone else's wife, then I don't think that she should be my wife. I'm going to break this off. If she's going to act as though she is someone else's wife, let her be someone else's wife. But not only is he a just man and wanting to maintain his integrity in this, he's also a compassionate man. And he doesn't want to bring her to shame. Her husband, referring to him as the husband, her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He's not going to make a huge public display about this. He's not going to um, make a big deal or drag her in front of the church or anything like that. He's just going to go, look, you know what? We haven't come together yet. You want to be married to somebody else? You just go your way. We'll do this quietly. We're just going to break this off. You go your way. I'll go mine. And he's decided, he has resolved that this is what he's going to do. But, verse 20, as he considered these things, as he considered these things, as he struggled with it, as he turmoiled over this, this wasn't a quick and easy decision for Joseph on what he should do. He considered it, and as he was struggling with this and going, okay, on the one hand, for the sake of my integrity, I feel like I need to divorce her, but how do I do that, and do I do that? Or do I honor my commitment that I had made that I was going to become her husband? And he's struggling with this, and we don't know how long he struggled with this. Here it's only a sentence. Was this the kind of thing that he found out in the morning from Mary? Oh, hey, she's pregnant. And then he struggled with it during the day and that evening had a visit from this angelic messenger? Or was he struggling and fasting and praying for weeks about this? Agonizing over what to do? We don't know. All we know is that while this was happening, as he considered these things, verse 20, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, son of David. Now, an angel shows up in his dream to speak to him and calls him Joseph, son of David. We've just read, he's Joseph, son of Jacob. But the fact that he is calling him, the angel is calling him Joseph, son of David, is highlighting this relationship that he has to King David. You are a descendant of David. That's what I want to highlight as I reference you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the shame of taking her as your wife. Don't be afraid about the integrity of Mary. Don't be afraid about what people might say or what this might look like. Because, in fact, 
that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's from the Holy Spirit. You, Joseph, don't need to be afraid. You need to believe because you have been given a great honor. I don't think that's what Joseph was expecting as he was struggling and considering what to do about Mary. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, here's an interesting thing about this translation that frustrates me. We have um, that which is conceived in her. Now, in that whole list before, we had is the father of, is the father of, is the father of. And this is the same word. But it's translated in very different ways so that when you're reading it in, in, in the English, you don't see the very strong connection. Because if I were to translate it, um, I might have used the word to be produced or to have caused to be conceived. So that you would have, and, and I understand that the wording as it flows out of my mouth is not going to sound nearly as smooth, but bear with me. Abraham caused to be conceived Isaac, and Isaac caused to be conceived Jacob, and Jacob caused to be conceived uh, Judah and his brothers, and Judah caused to be conceived Perez by Tamar, right? That's the way that this would read all the way through, and so that when you get down to here, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This child is different. You already knew that because in Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, as we get down to and caused to be conceived uh, Jacob, and Jacob caused to be conceived Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. We didn't have a who caused to be conceived Jesus. We waited so that we could find out that what, who caused to be conceived Jesus is the Holy Spirit. This kid's different. This child is different. There is something special and unique about this child. Now, the Holy Spirit is not uh, new to this causing to be conceived, but... We have seen this before where women could not have children or had not yet had children. So we see this with Sarah, right? Where Abraham has been given the promise, you're going to have a son and he's going to be the heir of the promise. And Abraham says, that's great, except I don't have any sons and I'm very old and my wife Sarah is beyond the age of having children and so how's that going to work? And God says, that's okay, I'll go ahead and take care of that. Or you see the same thing with Hannah. Hannah is unable to, to have children and she's praying fervently. And then finally conceives and has Samuel. The Holy Spirit has, has been at work in this kind of work before, but never before apart from the work of the husband. This is a new kind of thing. 
We've often seen God being involved in whether children are produced or not produced. That's not unusual. What's unusual here is that Joseph had nothing to do with it. This child is different. So what is special about this unique child? Joseph is about to find out, and we're about to learn more. You see, as readers, we've already been clued in from the very beginning that this is the story of the genesis of Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One. We already knew He was special. We didn't know how special until we got down here to find out that His birth was so much different, but his, He was special all the way from the very beginning. And Joseph is now discovering from the angel what we already knew that Jesus is the Christ and now he's going to find out some details about that and we're going to learn more with him. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, for you and me, it's not real clear why that connection is there, right? You will call his name Jesus, and the reason that you're going to call his name Jesus is because he's going to save his people from, his, from their sins. And we look at that and go, Kate? Couldn't he have named him Tom? You'll name him Tom because he's going to save his people from his sins. No, it has to be Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. So we get, we get Jesus, when, but we get it through the Greek. If we were to get it through the Hebrew, it would be Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. The Lord is salvation. You're going to name him the Lord is salvation because he's going to save his people from, his sin, from their sins. That's that strong connection here. So kids, were you paying attention? What's his name? And why is his name Jesus? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. That's why. And Joseph is now being invited by uh, this angel of the Lord in his dream to adopt Jesus. You're going to be given the role of naming him. You're going to accept him as your own son. You are going to be the father of the Messiah. The one who will save his people from their sins. As I was uh, thinking about this, uh, this idea of salvation, I was thinking, I wonder where else that word shows up. Yesha, where we get Joshua from. Where, where else does that show up? And so as I was looking, I found, I found this really great psalm, Psalm 132. And I'm going to read you the whole thing because it's just a wonderful psalm. This is a psalm of ascents, which means that as they were entering Jerusalem, heading up the hill for some kind of festival or celebration or something, these are the songs that they would sing on their way up into Jerusalem. Okay, so you can picture that kind of a thing. Think the triumphal entry as everybody was heading up into Jerusalem for the Passover. This is the kind of song that they would be singing, okay? Here's how it goes. 
Psalm 132. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Do you remember that? David wanted to build a house for the Lord, a place where he would live in Jerusalem. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jaar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons shall keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation. That's that word. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Isn't that excellent? This whole picture about we're heading up into Jerusalem, we're heading up uh, to the temple. Lord, the place where you live, where you dwell, would you meet us there in your resting place, the place that David so desired to build for you? And would you, as we do that, would you remind, remember um, your covenant with David and how you would have an anointed one? And how if his sons followed you and kept the covenant, you would keep them on the throne forever and you would cleanse our priests and fill them with salvation and righteousness. And this would be the place where your lamp will shine And as we think about that, that connection, then that Jesus is fulfilling this. But you hear this in the psalm, in Psalm 132, and we heard it too, uh, even in Matthew, this idea about how God's people need a couple of things. They need to be saved from their sins. Do you remember what happened because of the sins of the nation of Israel? Because their priests were not righteous? Because their kings did not hold to the covenant? What happened? The deportation happened, right? 14 generations from the covenant of Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the deportation. Because the sins of God's people had gotten so bad that the kings were not honoring the covenants, the priests were not clothed in righteousness and bringing salvation to the people. And so God said, goodbye. 
No, you cannot come up into my dwelling place. No, you cannot come up into my temple. You're going to go. First, in the northern kingdom, they went off to Assyria, and then in the southern kingdom, off to Babylon. You guys have to go. They need someone that will save them from their sins. They need a priest who will come and offer the sacrifices so that they can be cleansed from their sin and once again be a righteous, holy people before the Lord. They need a king who will come and lead them and protect them and take care of them. These are the things that they need. How are they going to get those things? How can we have somebody who will do that? And now we are being told, right? We've already had this expectation that there will be a son of David who's going to be a king. We had that expectation. The the expectation that the people at this time had was that this king was going to come, he was going to drive out the Romans, and he was going to establish a kingdom of Israel once again in Jerusalem. That's what they thought was going to happen. What's the name of this kid that they're going to expect is going to do that? His name is Jesus, for he's going to save his people from their sins. That's kind of weird. I mean, yeah, I guess it was a consequence of their sin that they got kicked out and they're going to need this king to bring them back, but you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins? I thought he was going to be the king. That sounds like a priest. Is this kid going to be a king priest? A priest king? Can you do that? Can you imagine the, the first time people sat around Um, like the pert plus people sat around and they had a discussion and they said you know what everybody has to wash their hair and get it clean yeah they do have to wash their their hair and get it clean but then they really need to condition it so that it gets strong and healthy too yeah they do what if we put the shampoo and the conditioner into the same bottle can you do that Can you, from one bottle, can you have both the cleaning and the conditioning so that it gets both clean and is healthy and strong? I think so. I feel like this is a similar kind of thing. What we really need is for people to get their sins cleansed. They need to be cleansed from their sin and they need to be made righteous and they need a king to lead them, protect them, and take care of them. And you look at that and you go, I can't even do either of those things. The priests had already failed to cleanse people and the kings had already failed to keep the covenant forever. And now what you're talking about is putting those together in one person? Can you do that? Can you have a priest king? How would that happen? How could that possibly work? Oh yeah, how how, how would that work? If you put put a priest in a person and then a king in the person, but, but yeah, the person wouldn't be able to do that. But what if it was God? What if it was God? Okay, technically, yeah, I think that would be possible. I think God could probably do it. Is that what you're telling me is going to happen here? That's what I'm going to tell you is going to happen here, just for preview. All this took place 
Verse 22 of Matthew chapter 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This time he just tells us what it means. They called him Emmanuel. Why did they call him Emmanuel? Because Emmanuel means God is with us. Now, if you know of where this verse comes from, it comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, about this child that they're going to, to name Emmanuel. And the context for that is that the judgment of the Lord is coming. And you will know for sure that the judgment of the Lord is coming. The Assyrians are going to come in and they're going to drag out the northern tribe of Israel into uh, exile. And you're going to know that because this kid's going to be born. The judgment of the Lord is that sure. It's coming. But following the certain coming judgment of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 7 is the promise in Isaiah chapter 9. After the judgment of the Lord has come, after the people have been dragged out, then this is going to happen. Verse, chapter 9 of Isaiah verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's the kid that's going to come. That's the Messiah that you're going to expect. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to do this. So that by the time you get to Isaiah chapter 12, this is the expectation. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord is going to be the one. And so how is this going to work? You're going to have one person, one person who is going to be the priest who cleanses his people from their sins. He's also going to be that, that king, the, the descendant of David, who will rule on the throne forever without breaking the covenant. And God is going to be the salvation of his people. How are you going to do all of these things? You're going to put them all together in the person of Jesus. Because Jesus was caused to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, being fully God, is able to cleanse his people from their sins and be their salvation. The Lord will be their salvation he is also able to keep the covenant perfectly because he is God. And God himself is able to be the salvation of his people. Because God 
is with us in the person of Jesus who is both fully God and fully man. So His name is Jesus because the Lord is our salvation. But He's also called Emmanuel because God is with us. And Joseph wakes up from his dream. When Joseph woke from sleep, verse 24, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph is adopting Jesus as his son. He is taking on the role of the Father and saying, you are my son, and in so doing, bringing Jesus into this lineage as the son of David. A physical heir of the promise and the covenant. But having been conceived by the Holy Spirit so that he might fulfill the promises. And Jesus is going to be this king. Matthew is redefining the kingdom for us. Because the expectation was that this was going to be a political kingdom in which a king was going to come and bring political freedom from the role of the Romans. And what we're discovering instead is he's going to bring spiritual freedom and bring us into a spiritual kingdom where he will be a priestly king. And he's going to save his people from their sins. And I don't know about you, but for me, as I look at that, I want to keep reading and find out what more and more about what this kingdom is all about and how I can become a part of it. That's what we're going to be doing in the next several weeks. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, how great and awesome you are. That in your infinite wisdom, You, knowing of our sin, decided that you would deal with it and become our salvation. Lord, we know that our sin deserves just punishment. But you decided to give us a way out from that by offering yourself as our salvation. by taking on the punishment that we deserved, by being both just and compassionate, so that we might be adopted as your children. Lord, how glorious and awesome you are for this. May we understand that more and more day by day And may we give you all the glory and the praise for it today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.